All right. Hey, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. That's where we're going to be at this morning. And uh, uh, man, I am running on fumes this morning. Uh, some of you guys have asked me about my son. We were at the ER last night really late uh, in Lexington and then drove back to Somerset and then slept for like two hours and I got up and drove here. That's how much I wanted to be with you this morning. So actually I say that. I don't know that a sermon's ever put the preacher to sleep, but it might happen today because I'm tired, okay? Uh, but anyways, so here's, here's where we're at this morning. Uh, maybe helpful to start where we've been. Uh, for the last few weeks, if you've been tracking with us, we've been uh, going through kind of our mission statement. We've got those three big words on the, the wall out there that kind of make this uh, bullet point condensed version of our mission statement here at Valley Creek. Right? We want to love, live, and lead. And so as I've done the last few weeks, I'm just going to read that mission statement uh, to you again so that's in front of us and selfishly, it's more for me than it is for you, I think. So uh, here it is. Our mission statement, Valley Creek Baptist Church, is we exist to love God and others, to live out our faith, and to lead others to the life-changing presence and power of Jesus Christ. Right? So that's what we want to be about here, right? We want to love God and others. We want to live out the things that we say we believe, and then we want to lead others to do the same thing. And so uh, where that's brought us the last couple weeks is two weeks ago, I preached via live stream just about uh, the idea of love, specifically what does it mean to love God? And um, kind of where we, we went that Sunday was just talked about worship, All right? Worship is uh, our outward expression of our love for God, okay? Worship is um, I'm getting ahead of myself. Worship is uh, like we love God with everything in us, right? With all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then our worship is, is kind of the, the evidence of that, how we respond to God. That's our worship. And then I tried to connect that to uh, the importance of discipleship uh, by pointing out that discipleship, or sorry, that worship is the goal of discipleship. All right, discipleship, the point is not just to acquire a bunch of Knowledge, so there's nothing wrong with knowledge, uh, but we want that to move from our head into our hearts, right? Worship is the goal of discipleship. And then last week we were here and just talked about what it means to uh, live, right? To live out our faith. And, and again, we connected that to worship a bit and just said that uh, right worship for us is, is when we live it out in every area of our lives. So that worship is not just an hour, hour and a half on Sunday morning. Uh, worship is not just you know my my quiet time in the morning. Uh, worship is uh, it, like it invades every nook and cranny of our lives. All right, every attitude, every behavior, every thought, every action like should be formed uh, or should be performed uh, like as maybe performed is not the right word, but you, you you're tracking with me, right? The, that worship should be lived out in every area of our lives. All right, there's nothing off limits when it comes to. How we should worship God, like like God gets all of it, and so um, we talked about that a little bit last week, and again brought it back to discipleship. And the point was just as we are discipled, as we grow, as we grow in conformity to Christ, um, all those areas of our lives, whether it's our attitudes, our thoughts, our behaviors, uh, those should those should line up more and more. Uh, again, in conformity with Christ, but but in worship to who God is for what He has done for us, uh, what he's doing in us. And so this morning, you've probably guessed we're going to go to the third word, 
right, which is lead. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to come out of the gate hot this morning, all right, with a challenge. So here's my challenge. Will you, right, will you take the challenge to lead someone to a deeper walk with Jesus? I'm going to say it again. You don't have to answer because I'm going to leave you hanging with that for a little while. Will you take the challenge to lead someone to a deeper walk with Jesus? All right, that's the challenge this morning uh, from our text, 2 Timothy chapter 2. So that's where we're going to be at right now. Let me read this for us. Here's what Paul writes to Timothy. He says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will, who will be able to teach others also. All right, so let me give you a little bit of context this morning. Second uh, Timothy is a letter written from Paul to kind of his apprentice or uh, Timothy, kind of his son in the faith. And so Paul, uh, at the time he writes this letter, he is imprisoned. And uh, what, we, what we believe is that this was, uh, when Paul was imprisoned here, it was while he was awaiting his execution. And he might not have known that, that uh, uh, exactly when his execution would be, but we get an idea that Paul knew that like, it was inevitable. Right? He'd been in prison time and time again. He'd been beaten. He'd been persecuted. And so here Paul writes this letter in prison. If you read through like the whole letter, you kind of get this sense that Paul knows uh, this might be the last chance that he has to communicate with his, uh, the, his son in the faith, with, with Timothy. And so uh, you kind of read into that. And, and like um, when you're faced with like the, the inevitability of death, I think communication gets a little more... Uh, pointed. Okay, this is what movies try and convey. If you guys uh, are big into movies, uh, usually it's the big climactic scene. Cli- is it climactic? Yeah. yeah, okay. Did I use that right? <laughs> All right. Uh, you, you get the, the, the big climactic scene in the movie, and then uh, the, you know, the, the main character or some important character is about to die, and they always utter these most profound words, right? Like the most profound things they've ever said in their lives. They say it, and they breathe their last, and then they die. Now, the same thing I think happens in real life, but it's not necessarily as eloquent or as perfectly timed. Um, I, I remember a few years ago, uh, my grandfather was really, really sick. Um, he was, I mean, he was basically on his deathbed. And um, he had been, he had some strokes and some different things and just like was not the same person uh, that he used to be. And so uh, a few days before he died, I think he knew that, that he was he was dying. And so he uh, I've got lots of cousins, and so he, he began to call us into this back room where his hospital bed was, uh, and he called us back in kind of one by one, and, uh, and, and I don't know what he told my other cousins, I don't know what he told my, uh, my brother, uh, my sister, I don't know what he told my parents, I don't know what he told any of them, but I know what he told me, and he, he looked at me like, like again, he, he had not been the same person at all, he was like, uh, it, it was like talking to just someone you didn't even know, but in this moment of like, extreme clarity, like uncommon clarity for his kind of state. He looked me right in the eyes, I mean like dead in the eyes, and he said, you take care of that boy. And what he meant was, at the time, uh, Kelly and I, we only had one son, Owen, um, who was three months old at the time. And what he meant uh, was he was calling me to do exactly the same thing that he had done for years and years and years. My grandpa had 
taken care of his family. He'd provided for us, like for, for all of us, his grandchildren. He'd always taken care of us. You know, he'd always slip. Uh, when I would travel back and forth from school, he would always slip, you know, $100 bills here and there, you know, to help me get gas on the way back to school. And so what he was charging me to do was the same thing that he had done all his life, right, to, to provide and care for his family. And, and we see something similar to that in Paul's words to Timothy. What, what Paul is charging Timothy to do in this letter is the same thing that Paul had spent his life doing. Right, Paul, uh, once he was converted to Christ, Paul had spent the entirety of his life like spreading the gospel, preaching the gospel, uh, training men, um, building the church, equipping the church. And so now in this letter to Timothy, which I imagine Paul realizes might be his last bit of communication with Timothy, he's passing the baton saying, Timothy, go and do what I did. Right? Give your life to what I've given my life to. That's what we read here, and that's what you read in the entirety of, uh, of the letter. And so I, mean, I can imagine, um, again, this is just kind of conjecture, but I can imagine that, that Timothy feels some like some emotion there, or some weightiness, right? Like you got Paul, this giant of the faith, who's saying, Timothy, this is, this is yours. Go, go and do. Go and do likewise. Go and do what I did. And so I imagine Paul, I'm sorry, I imagine Timothy feels the weight of that. Maybe he feels the intimidation of that. Okay, and so where I want to bring it back to this morning is, is maybe when you think of this challenge, right, we're challenging you, hey, will you... Will you take the challenge to lead someone into a deeper walk with Jesus? Maybe you hear that and, and that lands on you like you feel the weight of that. And I think that's a good thing. Right? This, is, this is serious business. Right? It is weighty. Like you should, like that should have a weight to it. Right? But maybe you feel intimidated like, man, I can't do that. Lead someone into a deeper walk with Jesus? Man, that is not for me. Right? And, and what... I want to do this morning, what I hope to do just from these couple of verses, is just kind of demystify that a little bit, right? I'm not saying it's not an important work. I'm not saying it's not a weighty work uh, to lead someone into a deeper walk with Jesus. But what I am saying is like, it's something that you can do. And it's something that, that, that Jesus has called you to. It's something that Jesus has called his church to. And that's us. So what I want to do this morning, my, my goal is you leave here this morning thinking, I think I can do that. Or at least I want to try. All right? So we got three points this morning. Three points this morning. And the, the first one is, is this. From the text, the spiritual leader is strengthened by grace. All right? That's what Paul says in the first verse. He says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, All right? A spiritual leader is strengthened by grace. Now, the fact that Paul writes that to Timothy implies that he's going to need some strength. All right? Paul's telling Timothy, hey, take and go and invest and lead others. Be a spiritual leader is essentially what he's calling Timothy to. All right? And the fact that Paul tells Timothy, hey, be strengthened implies Timothy's going to need some strength, right? which means... This is not an easy task. Right, to lead someone into a deeper walk with Jesus is not always easy. It's not always convenient. It's not always comfortable. Right? But that does not negate the fact that it's what we're called to as followers of Jesus. Right? If you were here this morning and you would say, man, I'm a 
Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm saved. Like whatever language you use to describe that relationship, um, you've trusted in Jesus. The reality is like this is, this is your call in life, to lead others, to lead others down the same path that you're on. Right? And, and it's, we're going to need some, some strength to do that because it's not easy. It's not. And so when we think about, um, when we think about the, what we're being called to here, the, one of the biggest obstacles that a lot of us have to get past in leading someone spiritually, one of the biggest obstacles that we have to get past um, or to be strengthened to get past is our past. Right? Because we've got a past. Now, some of us have like crazier pasts than others, right? But we all have a past. And so I think a lot of times when we throw this charge out to, to you and say, hey, we want you to, to grab onto this, like be a spiritual leader, lead someone into a deeper walk with Jesus. I think one of the things that the enemy loves to do is remind us of our past so that we would look at our lives right, and, and come up with excuse like, gosh, I, I can't do that. Like, I've, I've got a history, man. Like I've seen some stuff. I've been a part of some stuff. I've got some skeletons in this closet. Right? And, and if that's you this morning, I would just say, you're in good company here. Again, I don't, know, I don't know your stories yet. I hope to learn them in time. I know my story, and I'm comfortable saying, like, if you've got a past, good. You'll, me and you can get along, all right? Because we've all got a past, right? The reality is, like, we all were born into sin, and so before... Jesus, like we've all got a past. Right now, some of our testimonies are more boring than others. By the way, praise God if your testimony is boring. There's nothing wrong with that. But we've all got a past. And so what I just want to remind you of and strengthen you in is what Paul says, the, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. If you're hung up on your past as an excuse for like why you can't lead someone and to, to grow in their walk with Jesus, now I just want to lay this before you. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus lived the perfect life that you and I cannot live. And he took all of our sin, past, present, future, nailed it to the cross, and then three days later rose from the grave to prove that his grace is stronger than our sin. So I just feel like compelled by the gospel to say if your excuse for not stepping into uh, this role of spiritual leadership, if your excuse is your past, then I just think the gospel would tell you, like, you need to find a better excuse. <laughs> it's kind of like going to the teacher and saying the dog ate your homework, right? It's not going to work. It's not, right? the gospel would say that's not enough. Okay? You'd be strengthened against your past. But listen, we also need strength just for the here and the now. Right? Strength for here and now. So there's... Uh, Paul writes, um, and he's got this episode that he records in uh, 2 Corinthians. And we know that if you're familiar with Paul's story, you know that he, he dealt with some sort of, um, we don't know if it was a, like a physical ailment, or he called it his thorn in the flesh. I mean, there's a lot of speculation as to what it could have been or what it might have been. All we know is that Paul had something that he wanted rid of. And so he asked God to take it away, or take this thing away, like it's, it's hindering me. And what does God say to him? No, that's not his exact words, right? His exact words are, my grace is sufficient for you. Essentially, though, God says, no, I'm not going to take that away, but I will give you the strength 
that you need to live and minister through it. Right? Grace sufficient for the here and the now. Right? So this call to spiritual leadership, like to be strengthened by grace, yes, we need strength to, to get past our past, but also strength just here in the moment today. Right? His, his grace is sufficient for today. Listen, um, here's second point. I just realized I missed a quote I really wanted to read. I'm going to go back and read it for you because this is good. So go, going back to this idea of our, of our sin, like somehow making us uh, unable to be used by God, listen, listen to this. This is a book. If you're a reader, I would just commend the book Gentle and Lowly to You by Dane Ortland. Just a phenomenal book. Uh, but this, this is what he says. He says, God doesn't limit himself to working with the unspoiled parts of us that remain after a lifetime of sinning. His power, or his strength, like we're talking about, runs so deep that he is able to redeem the very worst parts of our past into the most radiant parts of our future. Listen, this, this is the good news. Uh, being strengthened by grace is that regardless of what you did back then, that God is inviting you into what he's doing now. All right? So, sorry, I had to backtrack. I thought that was too good to pass up. Let me go on to our second point here. So the first point is that uh, the spiritual leader is strengthened by grace. Here's, here's the second one. A spiritual leader is a lifelong learner. Okay, now this is not explicit in the text, but if you are familiar with Timothy's story, uh, what you'll know is that Timothy modeled this. Like he was a lifelong learner. And so uh, if you're familiar with the Bible, you got First and Second Timothy. Those are letters that Paul wrote to Timothy. So Timothy was like an apprentice of sorts, like being trained and equipped and prepared for ministry, um, kind of under Paul's leadership. But then if you read like elsewhere in the New Testament, uh, you'll see Timothy's name pop up in the book of Acts. Uh, you'll see his name pop up in, in some other books because uh, Tim, and it's always related or usually related to something that Paul is doing or something that Paul is writing, um, which is to say that Timothy was a, he learned from Paul. He had committed his life to learning from the apostle Paul. Okay, but uh, Timothy's role or his life as a, as a learner like even predated that. If you go back earlier in, uh, earlier in this letter, in 2 Timothy, you'll see uh, Paul is commending Timothy for learning from his, his grandmother and his mother. Right, so evidently, like, Timothy has been a lifelong learner. Like, before uh, he was being trained for ministry under Paul, like, his life had been modeled by learning and growing and maturing in the faith, and to be a, a lifelong learner. And, and um, not only that, but Paul encourages Timothy to, to continue down this path. If you jump down to verse 15 in chapter 2, 2 Timothy, Paul says this to Timothy. He says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. This is Paul encouraging Timothy, hey, continue to grow, continue to learn, continue to be shaped and formed, like continue down this path of, of being a lifelong learner. Now, here's what I know. Whenever you talk about being a lifelong learner or being a student, um, how many guys like school? You liked it in the past. Not a lot of hands. So when you hear somebody say like, hey, be a lifelong learner, 
Like some of you guys just like cringe at that, right? Brings back like, like traumatic experiences of, of studying for exams and tests and that kind of thing, right? And um, that's not exactly the point here, but, but I understand, like I understand maybe the, the trauma that comes with that. But let me get underneath that for a minute. Right? For, to be a lifelong learner, right? And for Paul to encourage Timothy to continue down this path, right? Underneath that is this uh, kind of implication um, that you don't have to know it all, right? If, if Paul's telling Timothy, he's saying like, hey, you're, you're ready for ministry. Also, continue to learn, right? That implies that, that you don't have to wait until you know everything before you get in the game. And again, that's one of the things that that like hangs us up oftentimes. Like one of our excuses for I can't lead someone, I can't disciple someone, is we feel like we don't know enough. Right? We don't, you know, what happens if they ask me these questions and I don't know the answers to them? And we let those things like like that fear uh, paralyze us from stepping into this role of being a spiritual leader. Right? We let this fear of uh, our lack of knowledge like stop us or, or keep us from stepping into the role that God has called us to. And I just want to free you up this morning. Right, free you up. This is going to be really profound. Are you ready? You are not God. Which means you are not all-knowing. You are not omniscient. There will never be a moment where you arrive at the pinnacle and say like, you know what? I think I know it all. I'm ready for this. Sign me up. Like if that's what you're waiting for, you're not going to get there. Right? This Again, implied to be a lifelong learner is the fact that like you're never going to arrive at this destination. Okay, um, here's here's what's comforting to me is in the letter to to the Romans in Paul's letter to the Romans. He uh, in chapter eleven he kind of arrives at this place where he's kind of like realizes that he's never going to know it all, and so he says uh, this in chapter eleven verse thirty three. It's on the screens. You don't have to turn there. This is Paul writing. He says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how unscrutable are his ways. Which is basically Paul's really eloquent way of saying like, I will never understand the entirety of who God is. And by the way, I think if you could understand the entirety of who God is, wouldn't that make him like not God? <laughs> right? So, be encouraged that Paul, who wrote like two-thirds of the New Testament, right, who is uh, largely responsible for the spread of, of Christianity, that guy arrives at a point in his life where he's like, I'm just not going to know all this. Like, let that free you up. Right? You don't have to know it all before you get in the game. Right? Take a step. Take a step, because here's the reality. As long as you are above ground and vertical, you will just not know everything. You just won't. Don't let that be the excuse from, from leading someone into a deeper walk with Jesus. Right? When we talk about discipling or leading someone, we're not saying you've arrived at the destination and now you're trying to get other people to get there. Right? What we're saying is you're on the same path. and Ideally, you'd be a little bit ahead of the people you're leading, but that doesn't mean you have to be at the destination, right? To lead someone to a deeper walk with Jesus. Hopefully you're growing and deepening your walk with Jesus and then you're pulling some people with you. Hey, come with me. 
Come learn and grow with me. So a spiritual leader is a lifelong learner. Right? But then here's the third point. Right? A spiritual leader, <clears throat> excuse me, spiritual leader invests in others. This is what Paul says in, in verse 2 of our text this morning. He tells Timothy, What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Right? Like here, Paul lays out the blueprint for like, like it's like the biblical model for growth. Right? And it's not, it's not uh, addition. Again, I'm not a, math, not a math person, so I have traumatic experiences when I start to think of math. Right? But it's not, growth biblically doesn't happen by, by addition. It's not one person going and, and adding one person, and this person going and adding this person. Right? It's, it's you lead someone, you invest in someone, and then that person goes and they invest in some more people, all the while you're finding someone else to invest in. So it's, right, it's, multiplica- it's like exponential multiplication. Like That's how growth is supposed to happen in, uh, in, in the Bible, in the church. It's an exponential thing. And this is what we see uh, in, in Jesus' ministry. Right? Jesus calls 12 men to himself. Right? Jesus is God incarnate in the flesh. I imagine he could have like, made disciples any way he wanted to, and yet he, he chooses 12 men. And you could even argue he narrows it down, and he's got three like even within that 12. But aside from that, he's got 12 guys, and he invests his life in these 12 guys. And then those 12, well, 11 of those 12 go out, and they invest their lives in others. And it just keeps going, and it multiplies, so that now 2,000 years later, we're on the other side of the world, encouraging each other to continue doing the same thing. Like this, this is how growth happens. We invest in others who invest in others who invest in others. Right? At, the, at, at the heart, at the heart of being a spiritual leader, at the heart of uh, leading someone into a deeper walk with Jesus, at the heart of that is just a willingness to invest in someone else or to invest in others. Right? It's using like whatever you've got, little as it might be, as much as it might be, using whatever you've got to help others grow in maturity, right? grow in maturity to Christ. This is what Paul writes in Colossians uh, 1, verse 28. He says, Him, meaning Christ, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Right? Again, the goal is not for, like, like we're not going to arrive at maturity on this side of eternity. Right? But our goal and our challenge is to, to pull others with us as we walk towards that. Right? As we walk towards maturity. Because, man, the reality is your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be any one thing you do, but it may be someone that you invest in. Your greatest contribution to the growth of the kingdom may not be like some amazing thing you do, but it may be someone that you invest in, right? That should make parents, like that should make our ears pop up, right? We invest in our kids. Um, so here's, here's my story with this. Um, just a personal story. Uh, so I went to uh, the University of Kentucky for my undergraduate 
uh, degree. Go Cats. Yesterday was a good day. Uh, <laughs> but um, I don't have time to get into the full backstory here this morning, but, but most of my undergraduate uh, life was, was not exactly sanctified. We'll just leave it at that. I, I, don't, like, I don't have a problem sharing it with you. It's just right now is probably not the place for that. Um, so it wasn't until my um, last semester at college. So I was, I was really smart. Um, I managed to squeeze my four-year degree into four and a half. And some, there you go. Some of you guys got it there. Yeah. And so uh, that last semester, um, long story short, I, I kind of had just a, a pretty transformative experience. And last semester uh, in college was really the first semester in college that I decided, you know what, I should actually probably like try and consistently follow Jesus. Maybe I should give that a try. Maybe it'll be work better than what I've been doing. And so uh, I got uh, plugged into a church there in Lexington. And uh, uh, I met a guy there by the name of Chad Wiles. All right, Chad was his name. Chad is no longer in Lexington. He is a, he's uh, helped plant a church actually in New Orleans. And he started like an addiction recovery ministry down there. He's doing incredible stuff. But at the time, Chad was just a volunteer at uh, this church in Lexington. He volunteered in the, in the uh, almost a children's ministry, the college ministry, same maturity level, roughly. Um, he was a volunteer in the college ministry. And, and so I met Chad, I got plugged in the college ministry and met Chad. And one day Chad just said, hey, would you be interesting, interested in meeting up for discipleship? And like, I don't know that I really understood the totality of what he meant by that, but I was just like, yeah, sure. Right? Is there food involved? Sign me up. When you're in college, free food, you'll do anything for free food. So like I decided we're going to go, uh, I'm going to go meet with Chad for discipleship. And so what he did was um, on Wednesday nights before the college ministry, he invited me and, and another guy over to his house, um, just opened up his home to us, had us over. Uh, and we worked through this book together. I still have the book in my office uh, called Christian Beliefs. And we just kind of worked through that book chapter by chapter, one chapter a week. Uh, and, and the whole time, like, I didn't realize what he was doing, but he was just, like, he was leading me into a deeper walk with Jesus. Right, just one week at a time. And it wasn't profound. Right? It wasn't like he had some big curriculum that he was going through, or if he did, I didn't know about it. All, right, all we would do is just, we'd read through this chapter, we'd read through some of the scriptures that went along with it. He would uh, ask us, like, what we thought about that, or how we, were, uh, how we might apply that, and he would encourage us to go apply that in certain ways. And he would ask us how he could pray for us. Uh, he was transparent. He would let us know how we could pray for him. Right? Chad was not a perfect guy. He would still tell you that today. I, I talked to him. It's been several weeks ago now, right? but I still in, have been in contact with him. Right? Chad was not a perfect guy. He was just a guy that was willing to invest in like a scrawny, reckless college kid. Right? And, and I didn't know it in the moment, but looking back now, I'm like, that was transformative for me. It was transformative. Like it changed everything. I mean, Jesus changed everything, but he used a guy named Chad Wiles to do it. This, this is what we're inviting you into. And I say we, it's not even us. This is what Jesus is inviting you into. To lead someone else or to lead others into a deeper walk with him. That's the challenge this morning. That's where we started. That's where I bring it back to. Right, will you take the challenge and lead someone into a deeper walk with Jesus? And then here's how I want to 
kind of leave you with this. I want you to think of a, of a traffic light. This is the most helpful illustration I could think of. It's not perfect, but at some point you just got to roll with what you got. So a traffic light, typical traffic lights have three colors, right? Red means stop. Green means go. Yellow means go fast. No, I'm just kidding. Yellow does not mean go faster. <laughs> I, want you to, I want you to think of a traffic light, though. All right, when some of you guys hear this challenge about uh, being a spiritual leader or leading someone into a deeper walk with Jesus, some of you guys are on green. You're like, yes, sign me up. Is there a sign-up sheet in the back? Because I'm ready. Do I go to the website? Do I fill out a form? What do I do? How do I get involved? Okay? And if that's you, I'm glad that's you. I'm encouraged that's you. What I really want to focus on is the other two, kind of the other two places. Right, we're going to roll out some stuff in the, in the future that you're going to have an opportunity to get plugged into if you're on green. Actually, all of you are going to have an opportunity to get plugged into, but just, just hang tight if you're on green. Like you're antsy, and I know that's hard, but just hang tight, okay? What I really want to talk to is if you're on yellow or red. All right, so maybe you're here and you're on yellow, and you're like, that sounds appealing, but I'm a little hesitant. I'm a little cautious. Right, maybe you just would say, I need to experience that. Like I've never had anyone come alongside me and say, hey, I want to lead you into a deeper walk with Jesus. I want to disciple you. I want to, I want to, I want to help you. I want to encourage you. Maybe you're, you're hesitant because you've just never experienced that before. And you shouldn't feel shame in that. You shouldn't feel, right, don't feel less than because of that. Like, Really what we want for you is to experience that. And so as we... Uh, as we begin to roll some things out here in the next, uh, hopefully the next few weeks, um, maybe someone's going to approach you and say, hey, I, would you want to meet together just to, to, to disciple, just for me to encourage you, for me to equip you, for me to train you? Just say yes. Right? Everything in you is going to want to say no because it's going to be like, maybe it's inconvenient or you're afraid it's going to be awkward, but I'm just going to encourage you to say Yes. Right? Experience what this is like. Okay? Experience it for yourself. Or maybe, maybe you're like, it's appealing. I want to do that. But like, I just need some more tools in the tool belt. Like, I need some, I need a little help. I need a little equipping. Right? Awesome. Again, there's going to be opportunities for you to, to be equipped and to be trained and to be encouraged towards that end. Okay? So I'm just going to encourage you to just get involved. Say yes as those opportunities become available. All right? But then, some of you guys are not on green, you're not on yellow, like you've got brakes to the floor, you're on red. You're like, hey, good for you, that sounds awesome. For you, that is not for me. Like the thought of leading someone into a deeper relationship with Jesus, um, no thank you. Okay, and, and you could have a myriad of reasons for feeling that way. Right? It could be, uh, maybe it's just feelings of insecurity or inadequacy, right? Maybe it's, uh, maybe you're just so overwhelmed in life right now that the thought of doing that is just like, like gives you instant anxiety, right? You can be honest about that. Maybe it's just that you're not super confident about your own relationship with Jesus. You're like, I don't know how to lead someone to that because I don't really know where I am on that journey. Right? Whatever the reason is for being on red, like one, so thank you for your honesty. Right? Like, like you can be honest. You don't have to pretend you're at a different light than you really are. Right? The Lord knows your heart. So if you're on red this morning, what I encourage you is just to be honest with that. Not, not with me, but with the Lord. 
To be honest with the Lord, like, like why are you on writ? Is it, is it something in your life? Is it, is it some, uh, some hesitations like in your own heart? Is it some uh, insecurity or inadequacy, inadequacy? That was a hard word. Or shame or guilt? Like, like what is it that makes you unwilling to take a step towards leading others into a deeper walk with Jesus? In fact, I would, I would encourage you just to spend some time in prayer. Like, like real prayer. Like, God, why do I not want to do this? And you can take that to the Lord. You can say, like, I don't want to do this. Why? And let the the Spirit work and reveal and convict and, like, pull on your heart. Because here's what I know. If you're going to lead someone into a deeper walk with Jesus, and you're not going to do that, hopefully you're not going to do that, because a guy stood up here from the pulpit and, like, guilted you into doing it. Hopefully it's because, right, like, you feel a desire, a pull from the Holy Spirit in your heart to lead someone down that path. Right? So where are you this morning? Green, yellow, red. If you're on green, yellow, there's going to be opportunities for you to get involved. If you're on red, I'm just asking you to commit to praying. Commit to praying that the Lord would do a work in changing your heart. All right? Will you lead someone to a deeper walk with Jesus? That's the challenge this morning. That's what we're called to. That's what his church is called to. Let's get in the game. All right? Let me pray for us. Father, we come to you this morning. Thank you for your word. Um, Lord, thank you for challenges from your word. It, it's easy to, to read and just acquire knowledge and information and it's easy to have our hearts moved in worship, but, but sometimes it's good for us to have our hearts uh, moved to action. I, I would think, Lord, we need that more, to be moved to action. And so, Father, I pray that your word would land on us in a place this morning that, uh, that we would be moved uh, to step into what you have for us, to lead others into a deeper walk with Jesus. And so, uh, Lord, I know we land different places here in this room. There's some here that are excited and they're amped and they're ready to jump in and go. And I'm thankful for those men and women. Maybe there's some here that are, uh, they want to be involved, they want to jump in, but they're just hesitant. I pray, Lord, that you would, Lord, give them wisdom to resolve what those hesitancies are. Maybe they need to experience it for themselves first. Maybe they, to, maybe they need to experience someone coming alongside them and saying, hey, I want to lead you into a deeper walk with Jesus. I want to help you with that. And I pray that they would be available to that, that they would say yes to that opportunity. Lord, those of us here in the room that, uh, that are, are willing and able and comfortable to do that, help us to even know who to ask to step into that role. And then, Lord, maybe there's some here this morning that just the thought of this is like, I mean, they're on red. It's paralyzing. There's, there's fear. There's uh, whatever the reason is for saying, no, that's not me. Uh, Lord, you know their hearts. You know their stories. You know their lives. You know their hesitations. Uh, you know their reluctance. So I pray that just by your spirit, you would, you would do a work, that you would um, create in them a heart that, that longs to be obedient to your word and longs to step into this call that you've placed on their lives. So Lord, I pray that you would work, that you would move us, that you would uh, compel us to respond as you would have us to respond. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.